This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey there, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Good wherever you are. We're so grateful you're here hanging out with us again. What a great show we have today. I've got a couple of friends of mine that are here today that are going to blow you out of the water. That they're doing at UMass Amherst is only being the best place to eat in America, quite frankly. They have done something that is so cool. I cannot wait to unreal this for everybody and get everybody involved and listen to what they're doing. So please give it up for my friend from UMass Amherst, the dream team, the dream team. That's what I'm calling you guys right now, the dream team. Please welcome Ken. Welcome, Garrett. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. I am so stoked to have you. Yeah. Uh, great to be here, too. You know, just nice to share some of the things uh, Garrett and I, the whole team, have done at UMass Amherst. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, we just want to work with everyone to, I call it, create a better world. Yeah, for sure. And that's what hooked me in. You know, we hung out together at a conference down in Scottsdale, and I was so blown away with spending time with you guys and listening to what you were all about, where your heart lies, what you're doing to change the hearts and minds of college kids and make them eat different and think different. It just blew me out of the water. I mean, I was pulling on your coattails within 15 minutes saying, you've got to get up on this broadcast. Because people need to hear this message because it's so powerful. Before I get into my 9,000 questions like I always have for everybody, would you both mind? And you can go, I, you guys can flip a coin, arm wrestle, or just decide, you know, who wants to go first. But tell everybody a little bit about what you do and, and who you are at UMass. Well, uh, I'll start and I'll turn it over to Ken. Uh, I'm Garrett DeSefno. I am the director of dining at the University of Massachusetts. I guess you could call me the CFO of UMass, the chief food officer. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm responsible for all of our, our four dining commons. We have 30 different retail outlets on campus, as well as catering concessions, two food trucks. We have operations in Boston, as well as uh, in, in, in Newton, Massachusetts, as well. Um, we serve about 50,000 meals a day, about 8 million, 8.5 million a year, making us the, the largest dining program in the country, um, self-operated. Um, and... We've just been, um, we just been, uh, I guess, awarded again for the seventh time in a row, uh, the number one status by the Princeton Review of the top campus, best campus food in the country. Uh, it's an honor and it's a very uh, uh, testament to the students and, the, and, and our staff that serves them every single day. So we're very, very uh, happy to uh, have had that moniker. Um, but the same token, we're very passionate about healthy, sustainable, delicious food. And my background, believe it or not, has absolutely nothing to do with food. I, um, I went to school and, and majored in, in business, mathematics, and, and, and went off into work uh, on Wall Street. I worked in the risk area of different companies and figured out you know, how, how companies were make or lose money. And about, uh, about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I made a transition to go into uh, hospitality. My family had a small little concession stand at a fair, and I really loved that type of business. And about 12 years ago, I had the opportunity to go work for one of the icons in the industry, Ken Tone, and the rest has been history. So I am I very happily uh, a part of the University of Massachusetts and an alum of the University of Massachusetts. So nice. Uh, it's it's a great place to be. What did you serve at the fair? Like deep fried butter? What did you do? We do <laughs> actually close, but it's more of oh, uh, <laughs> it's uh, seafood and uh, and hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that. But we. Um, being, being part carny has like, you know, uh, has its advantages to it, you know. You, well, you, you, you know, it's it, yeah. Well, you know, that's to make a terrible joke, but yeah, it certainly doesn't come with a dental plan, that's for sure. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, how about you? Yeah, my name is Ken Toon, and I'm the executive director of Sony Enterprises, and then uh, uh, food uh, dining, one of my portfolios, all in charge of the conference caterings, uh, hotel UMass, uh, travel licensing, you must all, and, and so on and so forth. Um, my whole portfolio is about $150 million, and then uh, definitely dining is the start of the, of the programs. And I've been UMass for uh, over two decades and love every minute of it, and then especially see the, how it grows, uh, continue, and provide the student experience. And then my background is uh, born raised in Hong Kong, and then left uh, Hong Kong when I was 16, and then went to Canada for a couple of high school and get my uh, 
my uh, undergrad uh, BBA from theirs, and then uh, I started off as a banker for a couple of years, and then I don't think that's what I want, you know, because I I'm high in the in the East Coast, and then I I, I don't sure. think I want to go to Newfoundland to 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 work there. So I joined uh, the uh, Marriott uh, the lodging and management service, and then and I come to um come to US uh, twenty some years ago, and really enjoyed the, the moment, the opportunity, and and the, the challenge as well, you know. And I'm so grateful that you know to to tell Gary you're a good hire. Gary's basically my right hand person here, and then yeah. we 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 talk a lot, and then we bounce ideas, and then uh, it's just just a number guy too. You talk about number, you know, he telling Joe he does not he did not date too often, right? No, didn't take too much in high school, like the numbers. So yeah, well, you know, you know, Ken, you said something I I got to touch on. I have never met anyone I don't believe as passionate about your kids and UMass and the food you serve and the process and the reason why you do it is why I wanted you on here. So I want to get into the weeds about that too, because you, there, there is no, you get around you and you start talking about, when you start talking about UMass and your kids, you're, you're no different really, but I mean, it oozes out of you at the amount of love that you have for these kids and what you're doing. And it's just, it blew me out of the water, which is why I'm excited to get into this. So I'm going to dive in and ask, throw some questions out there and you guys fight for whoever wants to go. It doesn't matter to me. But, you know, Garrett, you mentioned 50,000 meals a day, correct? Correct. Right. 50,000. Get that, kids. 50,000 meals a day. Eight and a half million annually. You said it. You said it quickly. I want to go back to it, though. How many dining halls, campuses, food trucks? One more time, because I want to make sure that everybody heard that. We have four main dining commons. They're all you care to eat facilities. Roughly anywhere between 30 and 40,000 square feet, um, which... We produce just-in-time cooking every day. So each right. location has its own menu. Uh, we, we do very much the destination dining type of thing. The students on campus tend to be very uh, diverse these days. And, and students also have a very uh, strong understanding of authentic food. So to be able to have the culinary team, and we have to give a lot of praise to Chef Alex Long, too, who is, who is our, our executive director of culinary excellence here. He is phenomenal. Uh, and... You know, leading that team of, of, of our culinarians every single day to really kind of develop that type of food experiences that they're having. In addition to that, though, um, one of the interesting things we have here, you know, as we look at the how students stay, we talked about the number of students who we serve every day. We got about 21,000 on our meal plan. Now, how that kind of breaks out in terms of big school, small school, but the percentages are what we really want to look at here. The average what we call a penetration rate in college is about 61%, meaning 61% of the students are on a meal plan. UMass for about 92%. Yeah. 70% of our seniors who stay on the plan for four years. And that leads into the options we have for our retail locations, with 30 different retail outlets, meaning cafes, markets all across the campus where students can use their meal plan, as well as the food trucks, their portable, portable food items that go everywhere and anywhere. We affectionately call them Baby Burke 1 and 2. Uh, named after our Berkshire Dining Commons, and then also we provide the catering and the concessions. So it's 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 you know a very large, all-encompassing. We have about 700, 800 full-time employees and another 1,200 students. So about 2,000 people make this happen every single day, which is a pretty remarkable team of people. Ken, anything more? Uh, no, I think uh, you know one thing we love about that is everything related to the food. We right. manage it and also make us a little more efficient as well, and then. To, uh, the decision is made right on campus, and as Gary, everything we do, what's the best for students? We say we put students first, and they're important to us because uh, I all believe it that you know the team, you know, we, we do the right thing. The business will come. Mm -hmm. Well, look, I think what's incredible is that how many seniors are you know eating in your dining? I mean, you know, traditionally that is not. I mean, I don't know what the number is, but I guarantee you, it's not seventy percent. At some of these other universities, it's probably 17% or 7% <laughs> or whatever else it else is. But it's that good, right? I think that's the thing is that they're like, it, this is the way to go. And I, I, I just such a, it, to me, was, that's what blew me away is the number of seniors that are continuing to eat in your dining halls, because that just speaks volumes about how great it is. And I think it's probably a big part of why some students in some ways probably make a choice to come to UMass, because the fact you've got this reputation of being so damn good. And providing, you know, mom and dad got to love the fact that they know the kids are going to be eating good food. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Toddversations. 
At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. Yeah, I think um, Gary and you ex, uh, expand a bit as well too. Uh, we collect a lot of data, and then one of the things we ask students, you know, about you know, after academic, you know, uh, is put important factor to you choose your mass, you know, the immediate the number come to over seventy percent. Yeah, and uh, and I think kind of similar numbers well too is uh, when we ask, you know, we know how much seventy uh, percent students are seeing a stone meal plan. I think it's all about the value, and then uh, we provide to them, and then also to the convenience, you know, the quality, and and also to the uh, ability. And then to, Karen and I talk a lot about, you know, our food now, we call ourselves like global inspired, right. cultural driven food that we provide every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Well, I mean, it's changed a lot. Let's be honest. I mean, and I want to talk about that a little bit because you guys, you know, you've been doing this, you've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. So you have some perspective, <laughs> but how much, but how much is, you know, and, and how much has dining changed over the past five or 10 years with kids? I mean, is it significant? I mean, you know, it's not fish, it's not fish sticks and, you know, cups of peaches anymore. Like, you know, kids get in public, you know, elementary school, whatever. I mean, it, it's, it, I'm imagining it's changed. No more mystery meat, right? Yeah, no more mystery meat. So, Ken's not going to do it. I'm going to give him the praise. So, here's the thing when Ken started here, this is 20 plus years ago, UMass was ranked, is that food? And so, we weren't even in close to the top program at all in the country. <laughs> And that was the <laughs> of what is that? And, and they're not in the dining commons. And the idea was almost a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Cheap food, um, very low uh, skill levels, just, you know, you're, it's part of a transaction. That's it. You fed them, they're gone, they're going to class. What Ken's vision, and, 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 and has he, he's been, he has been, you know, basically a channel leader throughout this industry for decades now. And, and, and one of the things that he and amongst some of his peers as well have had that vision of, no, food has value. Food, 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 food is important. Food creates culture. Food creates this excitement and, and, and it provides the opportunity for students to come together to get to know one another. Um, and as we started, he started to build on that. You know, the, the, the type of food, the type of experiences that students started to have over the years started to change. It's not right. just about the flashy buildings and, and, the, and the culinary and the cooking equipment and the seat. It's all about, you know, how was your experience today? You know, how was your friend's experience today? How can we make it better for tomorrow? And how did we impact your life so you could be the best student you possibly can be? And as you start to look at those particular things, the evolution of dining over the past five to 10 years is that you have a much more knowledgeable student. You have a student yeah. hails from areas all around the world who understands what authentic cuisine looks like and tastes like and is very open about telling you these particular things. Obviously, the evidence social media, you know, the internet and things like that that are make it very easy for students to, to really collaborate around things. And, you know, it's important for us because, you know, the comment cards that were posted up on the bulletin board as you walked in and out of the dining commons, those aren't there anymore. Those are replaced by the, the Facebook posts, the, the, the Instagram posts, the, the TikToks, the, the videos, all those things, and that get shared by thousands. So we need to be able to continue to be dynamic. We need to be able to continue to connect with students, and we need to be able to be as authentic as well as dynamic and changing many, because every every year, 25% of our, our customer population leaves and 25% are new. So we have to have an always evolving menu as well as skill set and development of our team. Yeah, well, really, really well said. Well, let's talk about it a little bit because I know the data is a big part of how you look at your dining program. I mean, I know you, you, I mean, and it does, to your point, it could be a comment card is data, right? But to be real fair, so is Facebook, so is TikTok, so is Instagram. 
And that's dangerous data sometimes because, you know, people can cut, people can say whatever they want and cut and run. So, I mean, it, you know, talk to me a little bit about what data is saying about, let me give you a two-part question. You guys can go with it, however. What's data saying about, you know, uh, food on campus and what's it telling you about the student dining experience? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. Like, I know it's not all the way. I try, can I try? I'm gonna have one good question of all. <laughs> trust. Only one. Don't have high hopes. Yeah, one thing we probably know every notice that uh, Gen Z students are more diverse than ever. You know, you know, you must thirty some percent of our students. You know, they they are Latins uh, and they are Asians. They and they are uh, 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 Indians, and they demand authenticities. And also, it's a, it's a they also demands more uh, healthier plant-based options as well. And then to scale mentioned authenticity, important then because uh, you'll be an Asian student, you know, congee, you know, or you know, is that is that some kind of food, you know, may not right. be the burger and so on. And then for us, how we provide the option for them. And then uh, 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 about three months ago, we start to implement, for example, is that Indian breakfast, you know. And I'm the one that, whoa, are you sure we could implement that, you know, over three or four times a week? Because our students are usually eat with us 4.2 times uh, a day. And this is their home, you know, and right. food has to be consistent, has to be, had to be uh, a, a diverse variety because uh, even you serve the best cuisine, the food is not changing, they get bored, you know. That's why I come into special events and all the things going on. But talk about the uh, authenticity and the healthy, sustainable, delicious. Those three components has to go together because uh, one thing good for us, so we know that plan usually is you know, more plan forward uh, food. When you say plan forward, we talk about food that you still, uh, you still eat red meat, but it's a lot less, you know, and then used to be, we are pouring all small, very big uh, flavors. And right. then, uh, and also eat lots of uh, uh, vegetables, which is uh, important to, to our students. And also to Gary even do a, a study talk about how the uh, healthy food correlate uh, to student success by, by partnership with our school public health uh, as well. And then at the end of the day though, we said we are not more than just feeling hunger. We can work with students to improve the quality of life experience because uh, it's really an honor for us to, you know, to serve these future leaders, you know, how can we work together, you know, to, to provide uh, what they uh, need. And also, you know, important for us too is uh, us, you know, how can we get better for them? Because uh, every year, a quarter of students are, are new. Yeah. Then, and continue to be more diverse. And then, to, so that's what to cover the opportunity and chance for us. Right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So here's the, you know, some of the data points and things like that we're seeing. So the interesting thing is that the majority of students still identify about 67% of them as omnivores. Um, we've seen the largest increase between vegetarian students, which is often into the eight to 10% range right mm. now. Um, and students in the flexitarian range are starting to move a little bit. but. That only tells part of the story, mm -hmm. because if you look at, you know, and a guy wrote a book about a dilemma and an omnivore, I think his name is Callum. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's that's those Boston folks calling Paul. Um, but, you know, the, the fact is, is that students identify as being more omnivores. Yes. And they consume a higher rate, more plant forward menu items. We're seeing a fivefold increase in the past uh, six to seven years. Um, of student consumption of that. Uh, when you look at cuisines and students are looking at, the majority of students, over 60% are saying that they like more Chinese cuisine. As they start to look at even Latin and Latinx students, that's the second area of students and food. Now, when you look at Latin America, that's 28 different countries. So you have to really look at you know, authenticity. You can't just say that one country represents that. And then you start to look even deeper into Mediterranean cuisine. Um, yeah. Sort of look at everything from Greek, to Turkish, to Northern African in that area. And then finally, you start to really see an increase of Western African cuisine, like Nigerian cuisine. Um, it's seeing areas where students who, where you see that African diaspora and students who are who have either been first or second generation really understand it and really, again, it's not just the food, as Ken was talking about, it's the method of eating and, and coming together around, around uh, different types of meals at different times of day. Um, we're seeing students who are more vocal about and more understanding. Ramadan, for example, has, is, you know, it's not just the fast over the course of the day. Actually, if you look in countries like Jordan and, and, and Saudi Arabia, 
there are big festivals that happen in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Well, students who are who are practicing and celebrating Ramadan, they want to do that. So we start to see the trend. We hundreds of students coming for a dinner at two o'clock in the morning, and and this is what they want, and, and it's important to them. So, and, and the connection, as Ken was talking about, is there, and that really builds that relationship, and that really builds for us also even doing a lot of R and D based yeah. on what the students are telling us. So. You know, overall, we're seeing, as Ken said, a, a trend of students eating more of a healthy, healthy, sustainable diet. Students still identify mostly as omnivore, but their taste and their preferences expand as they as they're here. And as we start to look at engagement levels, mm -hmm. near 80 percent of the students say that dining has been an important factor in, in, in creating that their sense of belonging at the university. Unbelievable. Well, you know, I, something that that that. Food connects people, right? I mean, you know, think about Thanksgiving meal, whatever the case might be with Ramadan. It's all, you know, it's a connection point. But you've created an experience where you've kind of worked to blend convenience and value, and you've got this amazing dining experience. My hunch is, is that your dining rooms are full of students that find time to break bread, talk, mm -hmm. maybe study, maybe talk baseball, who knows, right? But I mean, I would imagine that unlike a lot of universities, the dining experience is, resembles more of your family dinner table on a Sunday night, perhaps, Monday through Sunday, right, every day. And it's become a part of, I would think, the students' day in a way like I'm looking forward to going to dinner because of the camaraderie that we created around this amazing food you guys serve. I mean, is that yeah, logical, I, makes sense? Makes sense because uh, one of the things we uh, both feel uh, gratifying is see a student at nighttime sit down and talk about food, talk about the culture, talk about things they uh, did today. And yeah. then it was wow, you know, this is so nice uh, for us to accomplish that. But one thing in our data, we will we, we must not mention that at UMass, we tracked the student dining preference and behavior for the last 10 years. Gary's so good at that. And those important for us because uh, we notice uh, uh, continued direct uh, meat uh, consumption declining and the vegetable consumption went up. And, right. then, and also important for us, uh, look at even the menu offering now, the data that help us is the, oh, almost 80% and 75% of menu items are plant-based and plant-based, not because Ken and Gary want it, because that's what students want us to do it, you know? So by closing to, together with students, and also a great relation with them. And also by, uh, we have a very successful student ambassador programs and this like, a, uh, we have 26 of them. They tell us everything. And then we meet them once every three weeks. They more than just uh, um, mystery shoppers. We ask them a couple of questions. Uh, is what's your dining experience? What's your right. experience? Those are so crucial, right, Gary? Absolutely. And we and those of us, uh, we love you, my dining because you don't only you listen to us, you take action accordingly. That relationship building. And so on. Gary and I said, uh, we dine in different locations every night. We never go home, right? And, <laughs> uh, uh, but just like talk to them, listen to them, and also how we can get better, so, you know, uh, changing our menu as well. And sometimes we start off by, even when uh, potential new students and parents come visiting campus, Gary and I probably start to, to talk to them, you know, introduce UMass to them, saying more than just the food is experience and, and the quality of life as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think it, it's so powerful. I wanted to, you know, Gary, you brought it up early. I got to come back around to it. I want to make two shout outs here. One of which UMass and your team has been chosen having the number one campus food in America once again, like five years in a row. I mean, you are literally the best of the best in college dining, no doubt in this country. Um, that's got to say, and it does say a lot about your commitment to your students, right? Because to what Ken, you said earlier about what it used to be, right? It was just serve and go. Like here it is. Back to the, here's your fish sticks and your tater tots. Have a good day. Good luck in, good luck in chemistry class, right? It's not that anymore. So that's got to be something that makes you incredibly proud. And it's got to be, I would imagine, meaningful to the students as well. And the other thing that I want to bring up too, and I'm going to throw this all together and we'll, because I, then I want to dive into the food itself. But your culinary team has won the college culinary competition for the 10th time, right? I mean, your chefs obviously, you know, can do more than boil water and not burn toast. That's very apparent, right? You know, but A, you've got to be incredibly, and I, I want to hear this from both of you. 
you both have to be incredibly proud of your team. Because to me, and I think that to anybody listening to this, it shows that the vision is being embraced all the way through. And everybody inside your team is lifting everyone else that ultimately serves your customers, which are these kids. So absolutely. You know, it's, 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 we have such a dedicated group of, of individuals that work with us on a daily basis. Um, and it's more than just serving the food as you're talking about. It's about building those relationships and engagement with the students. Yeah. And, 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 and in ways that we can, uh, you can't even imagine and how, because they do it in so many different unique ways. One of our omelet cooks, Joanne, mm -hmm. um, we had a, uh, has pretty, retired uh, about a year or so ago now. And in doing so, I think in Boston, there's a, a radio station called WEEI. They, they do a, uh, they, they call out the Red Sox games and, and, and whatnot. But during that morning segment, she was mentioned and talked about because of the connections that she's had with some of the pro athletes out there as well as some of the top athletes that are coming out of the University of Massachusetts. Uh, Kel McCarr, Stanley Cup uh, champions uh, of the Avalanche. Yeah. And so these are, these are relationships that are just built upon by someone cooking an omelet and talking to you about mm -hmm. how your day is going. And then and, and, and multiply Joanne times 800, and that's what you have for a staff here at the University of Massachusetts. They're constantly connecting. The idea of the station champion, meaning that that person has the autonomy to work that station, to collect information about what the customers are asking for, meaning the students, and then be able to take action upon it and say, you know what, we might want to change this. We want to alter this. I have a lot of students that are coming in who are, you know, from China or from, from Singapore or from wherever. I think this dish is going to work. And my mom used to make it. And we give that person that autonomy to make it and then be able to really stand behind it and say, this is my, this is the, my food. And, and that's where students start to really, really both figuratively and literally eat it up. Um, you know, they're all about the idea of somebody making my dish. My Joanne's omelet is better than anyone's omelet out there. And, and it's because of not only the care that, that's put into the dish, but the attention to detail and the listening that they're doing every single day to the needs of the students. Yeah, I, I call it the power of the of the people, you know, because I think probably one of the success is uh, besides a uh, good food, the people we have, and then uh, we will create a culture excellence among them. They're so passionate that so many uh, time a day, they want extra miles. And then, uh, and we don't have to tell them. And also interesting to all that thousand employee uh, talk, 63% Oh. of colors, you know, and different cultures and, and different uh, perspectives, but they're also passionate, you know, they want to treat, you know, our students just like the, 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 the children's. And then, and also for us, importantly is uh, Gail and I walk around, talk to them, ask them about the family, how, 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 how can we uh, to be part of the uh, daily life and swim very important to them. And this, uh, uh, different cultures, uh, different expectations. I think we did a pretty good job to cultivate them as well. And then, yeah, I can say, thank enough about our staff. You know, without them, we, we, we're nobody. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I want to come back to I want to something you just said, Ken. I think it's so important. You know, you talk about family and daily life. And one of the cool things you guys do is you've got this gift from home program that you've put together. And I, I, it, I thought it was just super cool as a parent of kids that have gone through college. I don't recall that opportunity, you know, it, it presented in front of me before when they were both at their different universities. And so I just think it's a great idea and I'm sure folks love it. Can you just just quickly touch upon, you know, tell everybody what that program is and and I think more importantly, why that program matters to you guys to have it? Well, see, the, the, the Gifts from Home is is an opportunity for us to connect personally with each student. Every, every There's a special occasion in every student's life. And in many cases, the, their family can't be around them on those particular days if, if it falls within the school year. But that doesn't mean they can't celebrate something. If it's a birthday, if it's a, hey, great job on a test, if it's you're having a tough day, you know, sure. we, need, we want to lift you up. And by having these gifts at home, mom, dad, family unit, whomever, can send a birthday cake. Um, and and, and our, we have an amazing pastry team here, Chef Pam and her team. Uh, Chef Pam Adams was with the Ritz-Carlton and, and, and has a, a vast, vast knowledge of it. some of these, some of the things that come out of that pastry shop you think were uh, made at the most ornate bakery uh, in, in the world. And, and she has this opportunity to connect with these students and being able to pick up your birthday cake or cupcakes or whatever it might be, just a special little treat so that you're able to 
to, to celebrate, maybe not in person, but you're, you recognize the fact that that day or something's going on, that you're able to be able to, to be there, be able to, to let them know that there's something important and, and make it easy for the student to do that too. And also, you know, other students know, hey, it's, it, it's Ken's birthday today. Oh, wow, we've got a cake, everything to celebrate in the, in, in the dorm room. And, and all these really cool ways to start to build this community around. Yeah, I love it. I think that's just super cool. I, I commend you guys for doing that. I want to get a little bit deeper about the food, the process of what you guys are doing. And I want to open this up with this question because I think it says, it certainly comes from your heart when I listen and talk to you guys. But let's talk about what, what does building a just and sustainable food system at UMass? What is that and why does it matter? You want to go, Ken, or you want to go closer? So just a sustainable food system, that's a that's a big question, and I'm going to try to summarize it in about an hour and a half or two hours. Um, I got time. I got plenty so, of water. I'm good. Um, see, the idea, if, if you were to ask, ask me five years ago what sustainability meant, um, you know, I'd probably talk to you about permaculture and regenerative uh, farming and, and, and looking at areas that are, that, you know, carbon imprint and things like that. Or, and and those are all still true. Um, but the, the word just comes into play as well. And, and sustainability is now kind of moving into areas of fair trade, of, 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 of being able to have uh, BIPOC companies, uh, being able to engage the story around the food and the understanding of that it's important for, for students, and they do, uh, to understand where their food comes, who's made their food, and how important it is for them to, to enjoy it at certain certain times of the year. Um, that also comes into our staff in terms of, you know, we have we we have our students and, and you know across the country obviously wages are going up, but our students start at sixteen dollars an hour. So we want to be able to have our staff have living wages, be able to provide benefits for them, and that's really important to students as well. So that's all linked into this food system. The idea of food waste is important to them as well. The idea of being able to to minimize the amount of food waste in terms of both production trim waste as well as post consumer waste. Uh, in areas that we've been measuring for years, we 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 do fairly well. About nine percent, about half of that, about four and a half is 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 in and around the the trim waste. The other was production waste or post consumer rather. But comparatively, you know, if you look at the National Restaurant Association, they're saying probably in and around sixteen percent of casual dining food is wasted. The National mm-hmm. Resource Defense right. Council says about fifty percent. Yeah, of household right. waste. Right. So all that bundles into the package. Right. One thing we will also want to mention about that too is uh. Definitely social value. First of all, we're a big supporter of New England food system. It's great to buy locally and so on. Sure. But also important now by collecting data, you know, and still tell the climate change, climate actions is very important to them. The last so we did 75% still tell us that the, the therefore choice impact uh, uh, the, the environments. So we start to look at how can we work together to uh, continue to uh, to uh, take a look at take some climate actions, and that's why we start roll out this uh, with the part of this UK company called My Emissions to start to identify food ingredients that we are served that with uh, A being the best uh, E you know lead to uh, uh, lead improvements, and then just just is um it's a kind of a first in the nation, but the whole idea is we provide educational choice to students and mm-hmm. also who's working with supply chain. To let them know that you know that you know that's students you know they do look at the climate change are very important to to their food choices as well and then so we 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 what a good example is that uh, uh, not necessarily all the beef you know have to be ye you know because we start to look at uh, can we uh, have better practice can can beef can partial raise can beef can grass fed. Can then make sure the, the farms, the ranch and buy farm, they take care of the animal welfare, and also get mentioned about the food waste, take care of land. Those are what they're concerned about. And then, so, 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 so why important about continue measured, uh, uh, looking at data. So we did data twice a year, and then it involved about 4,000 students, uh, randomly picked of different level stu- uh, students, uh, school years. And then the response rate are pretty high, about 32, 35%. Those are report card by Gary. And that's how we improve ourselves. This is data telling us, this is what, this is what students concern about, how are we going to work with them to, uh, to create a better world? I, I love it. Mission. Well, you know, look, you, you're teaching kids to, by investing in food, 
they're really investing in the future of this planet. And I know that one of the ways that you guys have done that, and I want to get into this a little bit, is that you were one of the first to start labeling, you know, the carbon footprint on individual dishes. So I'd like to know what the students think about that specifically to that issue. And, you know, is it, is it having an impact on the dining experience? Two-part question there. Yeah. So the simple answer is yes. Uh, and the, the more of the, the background of it is as you start to tell the story of the food and, and understanding where food comes from, it influences dining behaviors. We've seen that, you know, with menu identification when it comes to nutritionals. Um, as well as now as we're looking at the carbon imprint of, of items. Um, students have and continuously do tell us that their, their concern about you know, the planetary health will and does drive uh, consumer behavior. We've, we've actually even started to notice that even over the course of uh, the past you know, five to seven years, like 76% of the students feel like it's important to reduce their, com their carbon imprint of, uh, you know, on, the, on, on the planet. And as I mentioned before, with the idea of things like beans and legumes, uh, 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 more of a leaf, uh, green leafy items, um, and over 80% of all of our items are plant forward, uh, plant based as we're serving students, that's driven by consumer behavior. So as we start to identify even more of these particular things, yes, we're seeing the student behavior start to gear more towards those items that have a, a better impact upon the environment, but also what we're what we're looking at too is a more informed consumer of tomorrow. Because once they leave here, we, these students will be consumers for the next seventy plus years. Sure. Uh, and we see that when we ask them the question about, well, how is your dining behavior here? You must have effect when you go out into the, the quote unquote real world. Um, it's about seventy five percent of them say that what they've done, their consumption patterns here, what and how they've eaten here, they will continue that later into life. Yeah, for sure they will. I mean, that's what I think is so important about what you're doing. And you're creating that sense of community, which I hope that they take into those next 70 years, right? That they come out and recognize the value that food has to have a conversation around, to nourish your body, to change the planet. I mean, you guys are just providing this incredible runway of positive change. It's just so cool. Ken, did you have yeah. something you wanted to add a little bit about the carbon? Yeah, I think one thing too, too is that we live on soon as well. And, and then by working together for example, you know, we call about, uh, we have implemented small play big flavors. Good example is that uh, we serve a uh, burger, it's only three ounces, chicken, three ounces. Even burger, we serve sometimes, they, uh, just, not only the grass, but we mix them with mushroom uh, as well. And then we start to, you know, to see on Chelsea, when we, one interesting thing we must, we serve a little over 4,500 sushi a day. This is not California. This is UMass, you know? Yeah. And, and then they want that, that excitement and intensity. They also want to be fun as well. And now, you know, the student tells maybe we also uh, now incorporate some of the kelp seaweed into yeah. the sushi we've been served as well. So I'm, uh, I feel so excited about, you know, the, 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 the future about as uh, how can we continue to and also uh, make our food even more exciting and then we do food, uh, we, uh, reduce uh, the, the food waste and our number show about nine and six percent and then uh, can we do better you know and then we challenge, uh, challenge ourselves but it's um that's a common thing is it's going to be uh, exciting for us because uh when we start notice you know there's a slowly decline of the red meat consumptions and uh, mm -hmm. expanding to, for the uh, plant-based, plant-forward, and then I think this trend will continue to grow. So, but important for us is that uh, we do have a very good, you know, uh, uh, accounting staff, mix of food, tastes good, good for you, also good for Tommy as well, their presentations. And then we find that is, um, um, we do lots of, uh, uh, they look at, uh, we call play costs. It's basically the uh, numbers for all you programs, you know, when you swipe uh, your new card, they can get a mustard one. But at the end of the week, we look at the total food cost divided by number of people that go through the dining facility. Right. Our, our play costs actually very much, you know, uh, not high, some lower than perhaps some school doesn't have about rich sustainability programs, you know. And, and then uh, that's what we want to work with our peers, you know, just do the right thing and then uh, listen to the customer take action and then continue to 
uh, provide you know, the quality of food looking for and also understand what the uh, Gen Z want, you know. And, yeah. that, and that's what we want, right? Yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes it. Well, so how do, how do you, you know, let, let's be honest, how's kelp doing on the menu? I mean, are they literally lining up before the doors are open so they can get kelp? I mean, is there a rush, oh, for, the yeah. oh, so is there a rush for the kelp table? It, put it this way. The, the power of the chef is critical. And yeah. you know, look at how you can use seaweed kelp into different dishes and how that comes into play with authenticity. Now, so you look at Korean cuisine, for example. You're looking at you know more of a Latin cuisine, Asian cuisines as well. Even Mediterranean, you start to look at the and, and you incorporate that as a function of the menu items. So yes, having a kelp salad, that is actually pretty popular with students. Using the nori and the sushi bowl, that's important as well. But sure. then everything in between that, and as you start to look at the influential behavior, because aquaculture is important, because here's how it works in New England. You have these, you, you, you kind of have a scenario where you have a, 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 a double whammy, so to speak, a positive one in that mess. That you have, say, some of these lobster fisher, uh, lobster mm -hmm. fishermen, and um, there is a season uh, for, for for lobster fishing. Then, at that point in time, once that season's over with, what do you do? Well, right. you grow kelp on the lobster lines. So now you've got a scenario where where, uh, where a lobster fisherman can go in, do the first crop of, 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 and by the way, we do like lobster here at Amherst. Uh, we do a special every year. We mm -hmm. on Halloween we serve fourteen thousand lobsters in a day. So uh, that's that's our, our, our all treats and no tricks on Halloween. But on the other hand, when we also are able to incorporate, you know, kelp from from, from the Gulf of Maine and and, and off of Gloucester, sure. um, those also provide additional revenue during periods of time. That these other that, that, that these farmers or, or fishermen would not necessarily be getting revenue, and that's how we start to kind of change the way of dying behaviors. We talked about that seventy-five percent of students, as they leave UMass, they're going to be looking for this, and it's becoming more mainstream. I went into a Costco the other day, and they have a kelp salad that you can buy by the by, you know by by you know just right next to your your your, yeah. your, your salad. So it is it, the college and university segment is an incubator right. for innovation. Yeah. And, and we really start to see this because these are the consumers that are hitting the market in, you know, in the next few years. And they're the largest population Absolutely. too as well. That's why we're we are so excited to, to to work with them as well. And then you look at have a manual choices. Uh, Todd is a, um, based on uh, like with the training and uh, uh, plan forward. And then what yeah. we start looking at is uh, the future, can we look at some of the blue zone, you know, in a similar theory, like uh, Costa Rica, like uh, in Japan, you know, the areas, you know, I think we want to work with students also promote more than just healthy food, maybe healthy lifestyle as well. And then, and I think that's, that's uh, important uh, for, for everyone because uh, when students live on campus, sometimes pretty stressful, not only they miss a parent, but they got to study and so on. Yeah. That's what uh, something that we can do more with them, and then uh, that food journey is exciting because uh, there's no end to it, right? And it's it's an ongoing, and I think we we glad to be part of this journey with our students. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation, and now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. I think it's fantastic. And you're right, Ken, because you know what? Grow, growing up is a bitch and growing up away from home is really hard. And when you're 18 years old and you think you can go take on the world, maybe one in 10 kind of can, but the rest of them are still going to try to find their way. And I think that that, 
that love that you guys put into that experience. I mean, it, it's got to be a, 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 it's probably subconsciously in a lot of ways uplifts a lot of students more than they actually probably appreciate. I imagine when they're seniors, they probably start to, to fill in some of those blanks a little bit more. But as a freshman, I would imagine they don't realize what a great gift the dining program is that you've created for them. Uh, I, I'm sure that's something that they probably work into. One of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is how do you manage like all these different quirks and quirks, right? I mean, you, whether it's allergies, vegan, kosher or whatever, I mean, it's got to be tough. I mean, do you have kids that have allergy problems? Do you know about that? Or is that something that you have to try to work with? And how do you do that? Absolutely. About 10.6% of our student population has some sort of allergen or intolerance now to a, to a food item. Now, you know, that food item that is, you know, nutritious to one is poisonous to another. So we have to be very, very mindful of that. Um, it comes into, into a variety of different manners of, of how we handle that. First and foremost, it's training. Um, you know, all of our staff gets trained on allergen training, uh, importance of menu identification, the, the eight now, once we hit, I think 2023, um, I think sesame is gonna be the ninth uh, um, uh, most common allergen. They're, they're incorporating that into the January 23. Um, but all that information is given to our, our staff members. So they implement it on a daily basis. The second leg of that stool happens to do with the idea of, of menu identification. And every single one of our menu items mm -hmm. is labeled, not only at the, the point of sale per se, but also digitally in our, mm -hmm. in our dining app mm -hmm. and it can actually filter out. So if you are allergic to soy, you could select in our dining app, every menu item that does not have soy and you'd be able to maneuver throughout the day, from breakfast, lunch, dinner, into late night, um, what you could eat and, and where it was located. And the final aspect of it comes into this power of the chef and the culinary mm -hmm. training is the ability for us to be flexible. Uh, an example, Kevin was talking about sushi, stir fry is another very important or a very popular dish. That's a customizable dish that a student can make regardless of its soy as an example, then we can, we can, we can make a dish that, that a certified that doesn't have soy in it. We can make right. a dish that a student may not have gluten in it. So the ability for students to, to be flexible, be able to have the variety of customization works into how our allergen program is as well, which builds that community. So a student who has a, you know, and we'll leave airborne aside, a peanut allergy, a, 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 a seafood allergy, and a student who may have no intolerances of anything can sit together and have dinner. Uh, and they don't have to wait an hour for something or go to a special location. They can all come together. And again, at 8 million meals plus a year, um, that, that's pretty remarkable, as well as having a talented team of registered dietitians on hand. Right. Sure. They're consult with our students on a daily basis. So it's kind of like the package we put together when it comes to allergens and allergen awareness. Yeah, we call them wellness coach, our dietitians, you know, that yeah. they need to do a special diet, especially allergens, they are there to help them as well. I think those things is important to us because uh, when you serve so many meals, 50,000 meals a day, we don't take chance, you know. No, well, you can't, right? I mean, you, and, I, and that's love. You know, are you... Are you, and you think about kids going to college, right? You talk about the freshman 15, right? Everybody gets into the cafeteria and it's like, oh, whatever, you know, kind of that, that old saying, but are you increasing consumption? And I don't mean like from a junk, I'm not, but, but increasing consumption in a mannerism that's seeing a healthier student, meaning kids are putting more energy perhaps into their food than they ever have before, um, you know, and, and be becoming more involved. And, and from that is, is branching out to a better consumption experience. Yeah, Gary, you talk about that. Uh, what data show about you know a program have that possible impact on their lifestyle? That eighty-three percent. Yes, absolutely. So eighty-three percent of students feel like you know it's it's had a positive impact upon their upon their, their well-being at the university. And again, to to give some more statistics away is, look, yes, we see increased consumption about thirty or so percent increased consumption of pizza and wings and indulgent type of items. But if I was to tell you almost double that consumption of beans, legumes, plant-forward items, lean proteins. So yes, students may be eating a little bit more of the, of the, of the you know, some indulgence, which is fine, but they're, they're understanding the importance of eating healthier uh, and, and how it can taste good. Mm -hmm. And an even more interesting aspect of it, it's more predominant in male than female. So we're seeing males start to make more of a change towards, um, towards seafood. Matter of fact, I think about 21 pounds per capita mm -hmm. is what students eat uh, of seafood at, at UMass, comparatively about 14 pounds 
uh, for the average American. Now, that may sound great, but if you, if you compare it to Scandinavian or Southeast Asian diet, I think Japan's in the neighborhood of about 90 pounds per capita right. per person annually. So we still have a ways to go to get to that level. But students' awareness and the fact that it makes them feel better, and as we look at performance foods, they start to perform better academically. These are the things mm -hmm. we use in terms of motivating them to, or they motivate themselves rather, to eat a, a more balanced and, and healthy diet. Yeah. Oh, Something love that it. so uh, enjoyable too, we call ourselves, we are living laboratory. We work with a faculty who signed to School of Public Health. And we did a study several years ago to, you know, look at uh, the correlation between healthy eating versus student success, you know. And that study really uh, are important to our students. We showed that by consuming, actually drinking more coffee, yes. the GPA is less. And in and, and the meantime, consuming more dark green vegetables, GPA is higher. So it doesn't mean you, they still have to study, though. I you still it. have to study, yes. I mean, that's yeah. the hard part about it, yes. You still have to study. Yeah, you can't just go to lunch and get it straight A's, but kelp, it, kelp ain't gonna do it, right? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Kelp ain't gonna get you. You ain't gonna get a PhD in kelp. Hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, also, also, we start to work with the food science. You know, we have probably one of the the best food science in the nations. Look at those are cultivated meat as well. You know, and those are uh, very. Uh, we got we got been approached by many companies, you know, want to take a look at them because uh, and we, we work with them as well. We test them, you know, and then still in a very much uh, preliminary stage as well, Gary. Yes, yes. So unreal. But that's yes, so cool. That's so cool. Uh, one thing I, 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 you know, and I know we're, we're we're getting up on our time, but I got I can't let you guys go without talking about this. And this is without a doubt, I think one of the coolest things ever is that you guys have published. I think you know, really one of the coolest manuals that I've looked at in a while. And it's basically a guide for food service operators or others called making, making local, healthy, sustainable, and delicious. Mm -hmm. And you're literally helping people mimic what you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And you, you've laid out a roadmap per se of, Hey, we want to share, we want to be transparent. We want to, you know, so I'm just going to throw out a broad question about that whole thing. Hey, why'd you publish it? What do you hope it accomplishes? And I'm imagining that the generosity and transparency that you have shown has been just absolutely received with open arms. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, it's good for us to share a, a best practice with our peers to raise about chemistine, right? Mm -hmm. it, to us, kind of responsibility as well. And I think that book is uh, well written. And then we, you know, we work our peers. We, you know, at the end of the day, though, we want everybody to do the same thing just like you are doing. Yes. Yeah. So in, in making local, healthy, sustainable, delicious, we, we, we outline the key factors of, of not only purchasing, because it, it, that's one section of, of, of it. Buying local is great, and we are very passionate about it. We, we, we buy over $2 million with, with Massachusetts alone, um, you know, and, and, and almost five, almost six million rather in, in New England. But you can't just fall back and say, okay, we bought a bunch of local turnips. Now what are you gonna do with them? And now it becomes the aspect of training development of your culinary team. Then it becomes the marketing and, and storytelling and being able to, to connect with your customers and, and relate to them. Then it becomes the idea of, of sustainable practices and, and being able to utilize that within in action. For example, the permaculture gardens we have on campus and being able to bring students through and show them this is this is corn being grown. This is this is this is a regenerative garden over here. This is the medicinal garden over here. If you were if you grew up in in, in some parts of Boston or New York City or LA, you may have never seen a farm before. Um, and now you get to come to a college and see, you know, what a pollinator looks like or what right. inoculated mushrooms look like. So the idea is being able to take what we have learned, build it into a guide and share it with everybody who wants to read it. It's free. It's downloadable. It's, uh, it's on our website. Um, and, you know, the holidays are coming up. Ken and I would be happy to sign some copies for people. So, you know, it makes for a great presence. Um, oh, I want one. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> happily, we'll happily send you one. Um, but it's got to be autographed or don't bother. Not a problem. We'll make sure we'll make sure we get that to you. Yeah, <laughs> and also we are uh, clo work closely with the uh, uh, university for for this uh, carbon reductions. You know, we did you were setting a target. It's a twenty fifty uh, carbon zero. They said uh, the the uh, guideline is uh, goal is uh, by twenty thirty two. You know, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we're part of it as well, and we want to work with them and work with our peers. I think that's important for this 
carbon thing. And then we also try to this, uh, demystify that, you know, buying logos about regional system is more expensive. We prove that's not the case, right? Absolutely. And the same thing, we all say that by serving better quality of food, it costs higher, but you, uh, uh, by we do food waste, by cooking just in time, by serving more plant-based, you know, small portion, the food quality uh, even lower, you know. Yeah. So try to dismiss by a lot of things that I think to to um, to us, maybe we do it for a long time, maybe common sense, but I think it's just so much opportunity for the industry, for our peers. And also we now we start working uh, with uh, collaborative with manufacturers, rather than transactional relationship, talk, we start talk about uh, more strategic partnership, you know. Mm -hmm. And then to set our goals, we share our strategic goal with them and they share with us. And we start doing some uh, pilot testing using us. And then to, I think that's important because uh, we can learn together. Because uh, Absolutely. And I would have to be a miss if we didn't mention the Kendall Foundation. As well, yeah. Because that, 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 that book and the research we put into it was generous uh, donation uh, by the Henry uh, P. Kendall Foundation. Uh, and for, oh, I think had provided us a, a significant uh, endowment for or, or donation for us to be able to do those studies. So we're very grateful. It was very, it's very fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic, guys. I mean, I'm so it's it's just it blew me away when I went and I went through it, flipped through the pages and read through it. It's just like it's so cool to give back, you know. But I think it speaks volumes about both of you, um, you know. And and you guys epitomize really to me the more. We love kids. The more kids will learn to love others. And I think that it is so important that what you guys are doing exemplifies that. And something that you guys have on your website, and I want you to touch on, we'll wrap up our time here, is you have a phrase up there that says, be a visionary and think strategically. Can you share with me what that means and where that comes from in your hearts? Well, here's the thing. It you know, honestly, I, I can, I, I'll relate it back to uh, this little thing we call COVID for a year or two of our lives. I heard and about, I just I, heard about that. I know, it just kind of popped up as an odd thing. But people asked us, you know, what, what did you, what did you have to structurally change? What did you strategically have to do to get through that? And from us, from that vision, mission point of view, the answer is nothing. We're a mission-driven organization. We're, our, our, our focus is on healthy, sustainable, delicious food. Our goals are, are to, to be able to enhance campus life and be able to provide for student success. And we stick to those points. Yeah. And that's what it means to be a vision-driven organization, to be, be all about the mission, and, and also to engage like-minded people around so that their passion is, exuberates through those 800 people that work with us and, 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 and the over 21,000 Students we serve fifty thousand times a day. Yeah, and then nowadays, you know, we can't do it alone. We do collaborate with others. You know. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, the supply chain, um, our students, our customers, uh, university, the communities, and then uh, I think uh, by sticking on mission, it worked for us. And, and then uh, I encourage everybody have a strategic plans, and then uh, look at think more long term. You know, and then. Uh, we know that climate change is uh, it's important in everybody's mind, but also, you know, like sustainability is a core value. We stick to it and then we practice them. But we're not happy yet, Todd. We think uh, we can do more, right? Success never final. Absolutely. Well, what's next? Is there something exciting you want to tell people are coming? I mean, I, mean, I can't imagine you're going to have a Pop-Tart station or anything like that. I mean, what's really exciting coming up? Is there no. anything? Is, is, no secrets? Other no, than no, we're, we're autographs? Book. No, open book on things. So what are we going to do new and what's exciting? Again, it, it's more of a deep dive in authenticity. What cuisines are we looking at? Indian cuisine is going to be really hot as we start to move into 2022, 2023. Um, as we start to look at food on the go and starting to have more opportunities for students to eat healthier, sustainable foods on the go. Time happens to be students' most precious asset. We're going to continue to, to drive that and allow students, you know, through grab and go opportunities, through opportunities for us to increase efficiencies, spreading out dining period times until 10, 11 o'clock at night for full meal service um, into the, the late, late night hours. Majority, our, our fastest growing segment between nine and midnight, nine and one in the morning is, is, is late night dining. So again, focusing on that, but focusing quality food. So retail cafes that are open until one o'clock in the morning, 
um, serving authentic Chinese cuisine, uh, uh, serving authentic Latin cuisine, flexibility within equipment so mm -hmm. that we're able to quickly shift from one discipline to another. And also at the same time, engaging students. I talked about the Ramadan earlier on, mm -hmm. other, other, other cultural events, other, other celebratory times of the year that we can continue to, even as far as powwows for indigenous students uh, with fry bread and things like that. Those are things that we're really focusing in on and how we're going to be able to kind of continue to, uh, as Ken says, continuously improve. And also, I think I add on to it is uh, work on supply chain to reduce uh, uh, packaging, you know, and, and then this is something uh, we want to, you know, more sustainable packaging and less uh, uh, containers, you know, everywhere. And then uh, and also listen to the customers because uh, every year one quarter changes. Well, I, I think we, we are so lucky travel the food journey together with everyone, you know, including uh, uh, media, people like yourself, I think uh, we want to make a better world, you know, and then yeah. food is a very, very uh, important uh, uh, tools we can use uh, to work together. I love it. Gentlemen, I cannot thank you enough for the time you've given me and hanging out and getting people around the world your message. And uh, it's phenomenal. I am just, it's, it's, an, it's an honor. It's an honor to have this conversation, to have the best of the best is always you know, uplifting as it is itself, but I just appreciate both of you and what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. Thank you. Well, come visit us, uh, Todd, and we invite everybody in the audience come and see us. Our door is open. Absolutely. We'll share with you what we have done. And then uh, I think there's so much opportunity still ahead of us. Absolutely. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. I told you I'd bring the wine. I'm coming over. We're not having a dining <laughs> hall, but we'll, we'll figure out how to do that. But no, I'm coming. There's no two ways about it. Thank you very much, both of you, once again, for being here. Most welcome. Yeah. yeah everybody, everybody, like I told you, this was going to be a great show. They didn't disappoint. Pay attention to what they're doing. Go online. Check it out. UMass Dining. You know, look at their uh, manual they put out. Be a part of it. As I always say, inspiration is a really important thing. I tell everybody to go inspire somebody every time we end these broadcasts. And if these two don't inspire you to take a hard look at what your food is, and what it's about and get a deeper diet, I don't know how to help you. I can come do CPR maybe. I don't even know if that'll work, but go be inspired by these words. I know I am. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.